Welcome, Stefan Keller, the uh, agile, human-focused uh, life sciences man. This is Irina Dimitrova, the uh, host of Grow and Learn and the host of the new Game of Leadership Online Summit. I have the pleasure to have Stefan Keller here, the founder of lifesciences.ch, a Swiss company uh, that focuses on coaching and uh, train business trainings with a human focus. Stefan is originally a neuroscientist, so he, he has a neurosciences background, and now he's focused on um, working and exploring teams and human interactions. So I'm very curious about today's topic, and the exact name of today's topic is Leading in Agile Teams, Strong Leadership Through Vulnerability. So Stefan, I, um, before we begin, there's a lot going on and a lot being said about Agile these days. Um, are you focusing on the Agile uh, as the terminology being used for companies or what, what does Agile mean to you? Does it mean something different than the industry perception of it? I think the industry perception is a bit of a buzzword, which means anything and everything. So I think uh, if you want to drill it down to what Agile really means in real life, we can have another session. But I'm definitely focusing more on the, um, on the organizational environment and, and what, like how do we perceive Agile teams and what is important in terms of leadership in teams that um, potentially are a bit more self-organized, less hierarchic and hierarchical that um, delegate decision-making down. And what does that mean to a leader in that environment? But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so much focusing on the agile part today. I'm really, uh, I'm, I want to focus on the vulnerability part, which for me is a key pillar of this uh, leadership mindset in such agile environment. Okay, wonderful. And, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just uh, wondering, uh, your, uh, the way you have organized the company you're a founder of is also self-organized. Uh, so exactly. how do you, how does your company work? Maybe start with that. Well, what does it do exactly? Yeah. And then we can delve into the topic. Um, I can, I can also, I have a few slides on the company ah, sure. as well. Um, just a very brief overview. I can let you know a bit how we are set up. Why I think, like how I came up with the topic of vulnerability, why I think it's important. And then I would like to have, a, like it was planned to have an interactive session here to figure it out together. And uh, now that we have this almost to one um, relationship here in the in the webinar may i ask for your first name if that's okay so that uh, we can have a proper conversation sorry you're still on mute mr turiol turiol mark very good thank you thank you very much if that's okay that we are on a first name basis i would suggest that uh, we can have then really this direct conversation yes um, so if okay, I would uh, start sharing my screen and then um, I will let, let you know a bit more about myself. I will let you know a bit more about the company I am working for. And then um, I would like to go on a journey together with you to figure out what vulnerability really means in our modern time context and how we could leverage it. Um, so who am I? My name is Stefan. Um, I'm born in Heidelberg, Germany and currently live in Switzerland, Basel, as mentioned before. 
I'm neuroscientist by training and catalyst by choice in a sense. Um, catalyst in, in a sense that um, I'm supporting together with life sciences, we are supporting teams, individuals, companies um, on their transformation towards a more self-organized um, way of working towards a more agile environment. And um, I also here, I did a, a quite, a, quite a cut coming from neuroscience and entering the business world. I did not have a clue what I'm what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to do, what is the challenges and how to tackle it. So straight from the beginning, I was exposed um, to an environment which was, everything was new and I needed to be vulnerable in a sense to ask the right questions, to learn, to figure out um, how to, yeah, how to, how to develop best in which direction so that I can really in the end deliver um, best value. So I think this journey for me from the beginning was a bit of a, yeah, everything was, was new to me. And I think that's what the world that we are living in right now, like every day is new and the Corona crisis hitting us um, also shows us that we cannot prepare for anything um, or for everything. So therefore I think it's important to have this, um, open mind and to accept also that we don't know everything. Um, privately, I like to go to the mountains as I'm now living in Switzerland. Um, this is of course um, the, best, the best thing about Switzerland for me is the, is the environment, really the landscape. I like a beer, I have to say. I like um, craft beer, um, especially. Nowadays, it's more difficult to get to the pub and have a draft beer, um, but uh, I hope that pubs are opening soon again. And I like old school hip hop. <laughs> so I'm really a hip hop head. And whenever I find time, I, I listen to these this old tunes and have difficulties with the modern day music. That's where I'm not so adaptive, turns out. <laughs> but it's not, uh, I think it's just, uh, just my preference. I'm working for Life Sciences, and we are um, a team of uh, 14 people by now. Um, also, this, this picture is already a bit um, old as we um, have two new team members, and um, we are located um, in Europe, basically. Um, we are a remote working team, so we have this monthly um, meetings where we all get together on an off-site event. Nowadays, also, this is not happening. So we mainly we, we, we were mainly focused uh, working remote already, but now, of course, it's with the Corona crisis, it's even more. And um, we are working with with clients um, to support them in their transformation and towards a more agile, more innovative, more impactful um, way of working. And we ourselves are self-organized, meaning that there is no hierarchy. Um, there is no like decision making is uh, is allocated to everybody. Everybody can take the same decisions. Um, like everybody could hire a new person in theory. Um, everybody can decide their own salary. Everybody can um, decide uh, their budget for whatever they they want to spend. Have their own event or whatsoever. So there is really um, no no um, actual hierarchy in the team. And even the, um, the trainee will decide their own salary. So I think that makes us not unique, but I think it's a special environment. It's an environment where also self-reflection is very becoming very important and the topic of wholeness, um, trying to be inclusive, create a safe space and make sure that everybody can bring themselves in um, and also um, don't shy away from asking questions allowing us all to grow together. 
So as I, as I mentioned, I, I started in this environment like six years ago or so, and this was really new to me, the whole business part. And uh, then growing into this in this, in this self-organized setup where there is no manager telling me what to do, I needed to figure out, out myself. I could ask, of course, for advice, but in a sense, um, there was the need um, to, to, to figure it out myself and to grow into my position. While doing so, I had some challenging times as well, where I did not feel like I was um, ready for, for certain, um, certain challenges. And I did not feel that I was bringing the value that might be expected from me. And I was shy and I, I did not feel like I could, I could actually be vulnerable and I could ask the questions I, I wanted to ask. And over the past years, I realized um, more and more that there is no reason to hold back there is no reason to not ask the questions, but to face the fact that maybe there is things you don't know and just uh, live with it. And over the years, I understood for myself that this was really important to me and it, it freed my mind when realizing that and we, when being open about it. Um, and I could really um, yeah, flourish in a sense um, as I could really bring myself into everything. And uh, I think now, especially with this, um, with the times of uh, high frequent changes that are going on um, technologically, but also socially, um, I think um, it is more and more important to accept the fact that we don't know it all and to be vulnerable together and to find it out together, to figure out how we can, how we can improve together. And this is also what I would like to do in today's session. So it's not about me knowing everything and telling you exactly what to do. It's more about me having my own journey, my own experience and wanting to connect with you to see what is this vulnerability? How can we leverage it in a leadership environment? What does it mean for us? What's holding us back? And then to, to exit the session with a few more thoughts to reflect on to then be able to implement a more vulnerable um, way of, of leadership um, than afterwards. May I ask you something uh, on the organization of your uh, company, Stefan? Yeah. Um, do you have uh, separate support functions or does everybody who is also a trainer uh, keep a support function that is different from the others? So we have a role-based setup, meaning that we have different roles and you would have like this classic overhead um, job um, descriptions would be a role like um, finance, for example, to take care of, of the pay slips, invoice, et cetera. A role like collaboration facilitation, taking care of infrastructure um, and making sure that people can collaborate properly, a role of business development. So we have different roles and multiple people can have one role and one person can have multiple roles. Mm -hmm. So like this also, we can, um, we can change roles. And if I see there is an, if I get interested in finance and I would like to understand the finance mechanics of the company even better, it would be a good opportunity for me to take over the finance role um, and to get into the topic and to learn on the run um, and uh, see if, if I like it or not. And then I could take over another role again. So it's not a fixed, status it's more uh, there is different different roles and with responsibilities that we need to take care of and then um, we can allocate it as needed and you can pick them up or leave them as um, yeah as as you want 
um, and as it uh, as time and environment allows. So how often is does the allocation happen? So we have a monthly um, meeting where we review our setup and we see, do we have all the roles we need? Do we need additional roles because the business is changing? For example, we have a new product, then we might want to have a new product owner. Do we need new sales in a sense of like, do we need um, new salespeople focusing on that? Or do we take another responsibility on the current um business development role. So I think here we have on a monthly basis, we review, we reflect what, what is it? And is it still meeting the needs of the current situation or do we need to change it? And also, is it still meeting the needs of the individual? Like, do I, am I still happy with the roles that I'm having? Um, so in theory, on a monthly basis, we have these check-ins um, where um, we, we review it and you could change your roles. I think in reality, as it takes quite some time still, if it's a new topic to get into it, um, and also the handover is not always, not yet that, that super easy, it also takes time. Um, we have it, um, not, it's, it's not like every month I would change my roles. It would rather be than if I take a new role, then I would plan for the next uh, few months, uh, maybe year even, to to spend the time working with it but also we had we had situations where people took over roles and then they realized it's not my cup of tea and they um they left it behind after after a few weeks already mm -hmm. interesting thank you any other questions no okay then maybe real quick so what do we do? Um, as mentioned already, we, uh, um, we are working with uh, companies, individuals, and also teams um, in the areas of uh, leadership coaching, um, where we are having workshops and trainings for, for leadership teams, also one-on-one -on -one coachings for leaders. We have strategic partnerships with different um, networks and other companies are running a conference also tomorrow um, around, um, I'm not sure if the concept of Teal rings a bell to anybody. It's uh, based on a book called Reinventing Organization. So we are having this community there where we are also having um, organizing conferences and bringing people together to, to leverage that exchange and the synergies. Um, we also do um, trainings. And what, what's Teal? Um, so Teal is um, it's based on a book from Frederick Laloux called Reinventing Organization and a concept that he draw is, is based on spiral dynamics. It's an earlier book and it's based on a color coding of different company cultures. So different cultures, he, he puts a different color to it. And you then um, start with a culture of like red, which is like a very military style um, um, or um, not necessarily military, but maybe even um, like a street band style of command and control um, and of fear and um, of following the, um, the, the commands up to a, a teal company, which is how he calls it, which is like this overarching layer. A teal company um, is um, based on like the, the three pillars of a teal company, as he puts it, is wholeness. And this is also the topic that we are touching today a bit, being yourself and being yourself fully. It's purpose, um, which is like, what is our purpose for the company? What is the value that we want to bring? What is it that we want to change in the world? And self-organization, um, where we say everybody's self-empowered. Um, everybody can 
have a have their own decisions everybody can decide um, there is no need to ask for um, for anybody else to decide for you but you ask for advice um, rather um, so that's the concept of teal and it, it's an idea of having um, an, a team dynamics which is um, moving away from hierarchies moving towards human-centric leadership um, towards a more self-organized team setup um, while also um, keeping in mind that there is certain activities um, that are reproducible and you can do very efficiently where you even can have a command and control environment. So it's really an integrated layer which allows you to pick whatever um, leadership style might be needed for the situation you're in. It's a sense and respond idea. Not sure if that helps. I can, I can also send you, a, there's a quick intro video on YouTube, it's like 10 minutes or so, it gives a quite nice overview. Please, I, I watched it. it. It's actually quite interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can send it to you. Thanks. Um, so we are doing these trainings and events, especially now with the virtual, um, uh, with the virtual environment we're all in, and we are doing more and more virtual events as well, as well as then um, team coachings and, and workshops, um, and organizational design. Really, like, okay, this is this is our like this is what what we want to achieve. How can our organizational design support us with that? Um, okay, so this is what we do as life sciences. Um, what I would like to address today, as mentioned already, is vulnerability. As um, I find it, especially coming back to the steel concept, I find it very intriguing um, when talking about wholeness. Like you can only be whole and be fully, fully yourself when you also show vulnerability um, and, and allow it also, allow yourself to be vulnerable. So I was curious to hear um, what, what the perception of vulnerability really is. And I um, prepared a mentee um, survey, but I think in this case it's for only three people. I would be curious to hear, what is your understanding of vulnerability when you think about it? Uh, I would say it's being able to not to hide your weakness and being, being able to talk about it and to ask for advices at any, any levels with your customers, with your clients, with the people you're working with, uh, being able to talk about what you need to learn. For me, it's, uh, it, it, it touches, it, it's similar to Marx, but uh, it has a bit of a different uh, connotation. It has to do more with the... Uh, with, with the human part of me that I'm also human and, and I share the same pains, the same, um, what do you call that? That I could have had also tough times in my life. So I understand the other party that I'm speaking to so I can relate better. And there, therefore, when I share my vulnerability, First of all, I feel better, and secondly, the other person relates better to me. Uh, but but there's a very fine line between vulnerability and throwing your garbage onto somebody because some people tend to be quite emotional. This doesn't make them vulnerable. Like if I 
start sharing what I've suffered from, for example, and the hardship I've been through, this doesn't necessarily make me vulnerable. Uh, maybe I just need have the need to dump my garbage onto somebody, right? So vulnerability used at the right time is, and in the right context is what matters. What do you Thank think? You. Thank you, Serena. <laughs> and M Mark, how, how do you feel about this, the second part of the throwing the garbage at somebody? I like how you put that. Uh, yes, I agree. Yes, I, I mean, I, I, I understand it very similarly. I also think that um, it's, it's two different things to, to just uh, throw your emotional garbage at somebody and uh, to complain and to just get rid of some emotions or to be, in a sense, also productively vulnerable. Um, and I think there is a, a thin line sometimes between. Um, other than that, I, I fully agree with, uh, with what you said. Um, what we got now is a very positive um, picture of vulnerability. Um, I know that, I mean, speaking for myself, um, if, I, if I think of my own vulnerability, especially a few years ago and also today in certain situations, um, it feels also, it feels weak. It feels like I am, um, I'm, not, um, I'm not there where I should be. I'm not meeting expectations, which I interpret to others. Like the, not that they were te uh, told like this, but I just implicitly think that I'm not meeting expectations and it feels very weak then to be vulnerable. This side of vulnerability, is this something that, that you got in contact with or that you can relate or is it off the table? I think it was a, a, a topic a few years ago, but I think over time people, or at least I have the feeling people have gotten more uh, or better understanding of vulnerability and they're trying to use it because there's more information out there of you know, how uh, it benefits human connection. So people are in general more open to being vulnerable. I would say that they are more able to talk about it, but I would guess uh, on, the, on the field, they're not really doing it. They're just, they're just, they're just aware because of what you said, you know, that the topic came out, so they, they know about it, they, they have some ideas. They can talk about it, they can agree with it, uh, but on the field, they're not really doing it on yeah. an everyday basis. Mm, I think you're right about that, yeah. Or they don't know how to do it. Yes. Yes, I, I do agree with what you said, Mark. I also think that there is, a, there is a huge awareness nowadays, and I think also people are more open to be vulnerable. But I think we are far away from having that safe space in, in, in most of the workplaces. I think there are some maybe, but unfortunately I think there is still a lot of teams um, where vulnerability is not yet lived. And I think that the leader is the key person to change that. If there is an, a leader by design in terms of a, a, a manager of the team potentially, then even more. And as long as we do not role model this and create this environment, I think it's difficult to, for others to really show that vulnerability. But yes, I think we are on a, on a very good path. And I think it's becoming a topic um, where people are more and more aware of. And um, I think that's something we can leverage 
and we need to leverage. I really think that there is not no other way around it, I have to say, um, but to really um, put it in place and implement it and live it really. And this is also why I, I chose this topic and I will let you know why I think it is important, when, why I think there is no way around it um, based on the current development of, um, of our environment. And I'm not sure if you're aware of the Cinefin model, if you have ever heard of it. No, never. I haven't. Mm. So it's a model that, uh, that, that, that defines um, types of, of, of issues or how, types of challenges, types of challenges to be resolved. And depending on to which um, part of the Cinefin model a problem um, belongs, there is different ways of coping with it. And I think the simple, the simple problem is the easiest. Um, you sense the problem, you categorize it, you know it already, you respond with your best practice, easy. So really nothing to do here. And then there is the chaos um, where it's more like you, you, you just act and then you see what happens and then you respond. So it's, it's totally new. There is no way um, to predict it. And then there is the two I would like to focus on is the complex and the complicated. And I think um, here is most of our tasks and uh, mo most of our activities are in the complex and complicated um, part of the Cinefin model. And the difference between complicated and complex is that complicated is something we can still predict. It's, it's complicated like a clockwork, but we can predict it. We can analyze it, we can make sense out of it, and then we can respond with something that is very predictable and then reproduce it. On the other side, we have the complex um, environment. And here it is like the weather forecast. Even though we know a lot uh, um, about the weather and how it behaves, the weather forecast still is shitty, at least for Basel. So there is a three-day weather forecast, and even that is not, um, is not accurate, as weather is just too complex to really make these predictions accurately. So here what we do is we, we probe, we see, okay, how is it going? Like, how are, how are things working? And then we sense what, what do we need to do, and then we respond and we create an emergent practice. And I think for the complicated parts, this is, like, this is how we've worked so far, right? We have complicated issues at hand, we have done the good practices, and we just work through it, and we reproduce it. And there was not so much need to, to allow vulnerability, but now we're in a complex environment where we cannot predict. There is no way we can predict what's gonna happen next. There is COVID hitting us, no, there were people um, warning us, but still we did not prepare. And we could not predict how this will hit the society and the economy. And now we are just um, handling it on a day-to-day -day basis in a sense. And I think these type of complex environments we are facing more and more often with the digital transformation going on, with things just changing very rapidly. And uh, businesses that have been in business for, for 10 years all of a sudden face real issues as competitors with digital solutions um, might just be faster in development and they need to, to step up their, their, their business. So the world that we are currently in is the VUCA world. And I think we've heard that, I guess everybody has heard the VUCA world before. Yeah, yes. right. So also becoming a buzzword in a sense, but that's what we are living in. Um, this is just the environment that we're in. We cannot predict, we can, be prepared to not know what's coming next. 
And this is where this, this agile is coming in from me. Like, how is it, how can we respond to these changes? How can we respond as a team, as a company, as an individual to the ever-changing environment, which is accelerating more and more? And I think for this, we need to go from this command and control, this um, maybe complicated world, but we can predict and, be, and one person tells what to do um, to the team and has the overview and uh, then gives guidance on, on how the team should behave to a sense and respond like model where we are more of an, um, an organism that senses the environment and then acts up on the environment as it's just a changing um, factor. And for such um, teams where you need to sense and respond, you also see that the decision um, making is delegated down as indeed the manager cannot know everything. And maybe the person that's closer to the topic knows much more and maybe also is the much better decision taker. So in this world, all of a sudden, um, the manager is not in God mode anymore and knows everything and can decide everything, but also needs to, to accept that, um, that there is no answers for certain things yet. And we first need to figure out maybe experiment, et cetera. So we are constantly learning by default. And it's this uh, growth mindset, which is all of a sudden becoming very important. And I think part of this growth mindset is being vulnerable. Part of this growth mindset is um, creating a space where vulnerability is embraced and then can be leveraged to learn and to grow together. And I think we, we, we agree that there is a positive impact of, of vulnerability um, in such a work environment. But I would be curious to hear what you think. Why, why should we be vulnerable? What, what would it bring to us and to our teams if we are um, the vulnerable person we were discussing earlier? I think the, the main point is that as a leader, if you don't show any uh, vulnerability, it means you're hiding it because everybody does. I mean, of course, there's things you, you, you don't know. So if you're hiding it, um, the people will feel it and they will feel that they are not allowed to make any critics to help you grow. So for your team to have a growth mindset, you need to show and be able and show it first that you are not the king, but that you, are, you can learn from people around you. And if you don't have this, then you won't, the, the team can't be agile and it will slow, slow the, the, rest, the, the quality of the response. You will learn the team will learn slower and uh, maybe the, 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 the boss will not learn at all. Mm. Thank you, Mark. Well, I see it uh, also as a, as a team impact, but also as an individual personal impact because uh, I'm gonna speak in uh, first person singular because I always uh, think through the lens of how it impacts me. So if I were in a position of a leader and I wasn't allowing myself to be honest about my feelings, which is to be vulnerable, this puts a lot of pressure in me. So in the end, I would go through the roof or react in a way that is not uh, uh, acceptable in some way if I don't channel these emotions that are building up in, in some way or another. It doesn't need to be bursting out, but it could be leading to a depression or whatever, just suppressed emotions in the end. And uh, the second thing is the impact to the team. 
um, the, when, when there is no uh, clear report or friend, friendly feelings even among uh, a leader and everybody else in the team, creativity is also suppressed. So people don't feel like they can trust this leader. He's not, uh, they don't know him enough. If he's not vulnerable, they simply don't know him. Yes, um, I would say, just can add something. I would say that the, there's probably a limit to it also, because if I think if you show too much how vulnerable you are in certain situations, certain companies, you'll be eaten by some people that want to have, uh, maybe they want to have your job. And I've, I've seen that, you know, someone that, yeah. a leader that was to me the best I've ever had. Uh, and there was uh, one, one person in the team that wanted her job. So she, she was uh, jumping on any vulnerability, but uh, we were lucky that the boss was still showing it. But I think that in, it could be a problem if in a way, on the, if it's too much, uh, I think you, you can lose also your credibility by that way. So also for yourself, I mean that you, you uh, vulnerability has a meaning if it's uh, immediately followed by something that you want to learn and you don't stay on it. You don't, you know, because otherwise, uh, if you look too weak, then maybe there's a, could be a trouble. It could happen in some team where there are sharks, for example, <laughs> in a bank, let's mm. say. And I think it's a skill of its own. It, for me, the best way to use it is always connected to a purpose. What is the purpose of me sharing something? It's not mm -hmm. simply to, yeah. as I said, throw it out there, but what do I want to achieve by saying this? Sure. I think you touched uh, a lot of very good points. Um, the, the first thing that I picked up on was, uh, I really like what you said, Serena, is that there is two, two sides of it, right? There is the side role modeling it and creating that safe space for the rest of the team, allowing them to be vulnerable, to learn together fast. And then also you said, but there is also myself, there is me um, maybe being under a lot of pressure when not being vulnerable. And I think that's a very important part because very often we then we focus only on the outside view, but also there is the inside view. And to me very personally, this is even the much more important as this can relieve so much pressure as soon as you accept yourself and uh, and just live as you as you feel is right, rather than questioning everything and protecting yourself and protecting the the image that you want to create that might not be you. And this, I think, if you accept this, this can relieve a lot of pressure. Um, which then brings me to the point, Mark, that you said that I also really like, and I would like to have maybe we can have a short conversation on that. Is the fact of okay, now you are vulnerable and then you have sharks around you and they will just eat you alive and then you're gone. And I think that that's the, that's the problem and solution at the same time. So if, you, if your environment is full of sharks, how can you be vulnerable? Like, how, how, how could you, how, does it make sense to be vulnerable? Or how to, how to start transforming that environment if it's not with you? If, any, any views on that? Mm. Well, I would say that 
um, in this kind of environments, so you have to adapt your leadership to the people you're around. So if, if there's a lot of sharks, then uh, I think vulnerability, maybe you said it before, uh, can not be weak in a way. So it, it's just, it could be just to show that you, you learn, you're in a learning process, but you still are, uh, there's not any impact on, on your self-confidence, for example. So that's the way I, I understand the growth mindset. Growth mindset to me means that anytime you meet uh, a new situation and maybe you didn't respond properly, uh, so you, you failed, and people show that uh, so that you failed when you can you can even talk about it even if they didn't see it but you are instantly uh, in in the mode of learning something from that thing and in this way you are still strong you, you don't i mean regarding these sharks around uh, that means that uh, there's a solution right after i mean there's a proposal solution right after uh, the the failure, so I think that's how it could you could be vulnerable, not completely, but just uh, be able uh, to create a culture with where everybody can accept that they make mistakes and we can talk about it and find solutions. That doesn't mean that I'm uh, I'm weak in any way. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Um, I I fully agree. Um, and I think there is this, like, that there is different failures, right? There is failures which are just, um, you did not pay attention, you did not do your due diligence, and it, you call it uh, like a stupid error I just made, like it was just, I, there's nothing to learn, I just did not pay attention. And then I think these kind of errors, yes, they occur, and it's also good to, to own them, but there is not so much room for growth. And then there is these errors where, like, where, where it's really, failures that you want right failures where you take a risk where you try something new you, you do your due diligence but only to the extent you're capable of and then you fail and then you have a, a huge opportunity to grow and to improve um, based on the learnings you got out, out of the situation and i think when we say we need to embrace failures also we need to differentiate if it's the failures you just do because you don't pay attention or if it's the failures that you do because it's just as good as it gets, right? You did the best you could, and that's that's what 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 we got out of it. Are you sure that there's in the the attention deficit mistakes? There's no solution about it. Of course, there is a solution, but it's a solution that is obvious, right? Like if if I if I um, if I work like if, if there is agreements and I do not stick to it, then either I have a good reason for it or I just did not pay attention. And I think this paying attention part is failures you don't want. You want people to pay attention, to do the due diligence. That's not failures you want to embrace. Still, you accept it and it's okay. And it's also important to, to own them. But I think the opportunity for growth is really on the other side of the failures um, where you, you do your due diligence and you risk something. And out of this, you create a failure that can then evolve into a learning. I would say... Uh, if it's an attentional trouble, it happens to me, then when I, for example, I'm missing some appointments because I didn't check my agenda or I didn't even wrote on my agenda. So then the, the thing I learn is what, what can I create? 
what, what tool can I create? Well, how can, do I have to change the way I work so that I do not make this attentional uh, error anymore? And so, I mean, for me, there's not any mistake I would do where there's, I wouldn't uh, uh, try to find a solution to it so that it doesn't happen again. Unless I like this error and I think that it would take, uh, in a way, it's too much effort to find a solution, even if there is a solution, but it's too much effort and the mistake is too rare so that it would ask too much energy and time to, uh, to fix it. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe I was also phrasing it wrongly. Um, I agree that th there is a learning also for, for such errors. As um, if you, I mean, you can improve it, right? You don't need to do the same error then on a day-to-day -day basis, but you can find a solution. I was more pointing towards like, what are the failures that you want to have that are even wished for? Like you want to fail sometimes because you know you cannot be innovative if you do not fail sometimes, right? And whereas the other failures that are clearly, you could um, avoid them with like paying attention, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And you, you want to reduce those failures to a minimum. Sorry if that did not come across. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I just see we have 14 minutes left. Um, and I also see that we have Tosin who entered the meeting. I'm not sure if you can hear us. I can. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, so we are just discussing um, vulnerability and what we could gain out of it. And we just had a, a quick discussion on how to be vulnerable in an environment also where potentially people would exploit your vulnerability yeah. and how to handle it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, do, maybe do you want to add something to the parts you have um, heard already? I, I guess the, 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 the other angle for me um, was because your performance, whether that's your real or your vulnerable um, face, because that's often tied to um, annual reviews and performance and, you know, being seen by others to be a certain way. I, I've, you know, I, I work in financial services. So there is always that on look every time. So it, it, it almost, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, still, I still, I'm, still, I'm still trying to find the best way, but there is an element of you almost don't have the opportunity to learn. One is because you're so busy. Um, and you almost have to deliberately stop yourself um, and, and be, um, what is that word, confident in your own growth mindset and in your own path and in your own vulnerability um, to be able to survive so that when you get to the end of a quarter or half year or end of year and one of those moments, one of your vulnerable moments come up, then you're able to defend it. Does, does that make sense? Because it, it's it's one thing doing this journey for you, but it's another thing when it's a, there's an expectation of a show of, you know, of a way that you're supposed to be and you know that other people are watching. To, you know, I think someone made the point earlier about sharks, you know, if you, if you feel that you are surrounded by people um, who will point the finger at, oh, you did this wrong or you did that wrong it makes it de really difficult to be vulnerable. 
Yes, I, I fully and agree. I <laughs> and like, I think we also touched this before. And I think, of course, the team members can be strong enough despite this environment to show vulnerability and to be open. Yeah. But I think it's very difficult. And I, I, th I think it's um, a good leader is really role modeling these behaviors and inviting others to show the same extent of vulnerability and also to, to treat vulnerable moments respectfully. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, we have 10 minutes left and I would like to touch one more topic with you. Um, I think this one we can, I would skip for now. I mean, you will, you will get the slides, I think, as well. Um, I would like to see, because I think we know, we, we discussed already, like, why is it important for us? Why do we think it's, uh, it's an, ad, like an added value if we are vulnerable? Mm. And I think we also have a good idea how to do it. But what I'm, what I'm sensing is that very often there is something hindering us from doing it. Like now our discussion rather quickly drifted into a, um, into a discussion of, yes, I would But what if yeah. th these kind of situations, what if there's sharks? What if um, I lose my job? What if somebody is kicking me out? And um, so I would like to use the next 10 minutes to have a look at this. And I think what is hindering us most of the time, um, and that's just my point of view, speaking for myself, is feeling ashamed, feeling not worthy enough, feeling like there is, a, I mentioned this before, other expectations I maybe not be able to meet. And then I feel ashamed to stand up and say, okay, I, I messed this up or I do not know. And um, this is where I liked the comment from Zarina a lot, where she said that when you then, when you're able to, to cross that border and you don't feel ashamed, but you just open up, it's so relieving. And uh, I have to say that I've been on a journey from the beginning and I, I had this point where I thought, what is the worst case that could happen? Especially mm -hmm. I, was, I was ashamed with customers that pay me for my, for my services and maybe I'm not worth it. Who says that I'm worth the amount that they are paying? Never, never said a customer, I am not, but I felt like I could be not. So um, it took me a while to stand up and say, okay, if this is the case, they will let me know. And then only I can learn. Then they can tell me why am I not worthy? What do I need to change to deliver the value um, that they are paying for? So I decided, okay, it is what it is. And the only way to figure it out is to face the truth and to, to grow if possible. Mm. Since that, I can... I, it, it's, a, it's a total different dynamics for me interacting with customers as I can ask the questions, the stupid questions. It turns out nobody asked it before. Nobody has a clue. Everybody thought implicitly everybody knows, but nobody does. So it freed up a lot of um, possibilities for me. And I'm just wondering what is, what, there is still stuff that's hindering me. There's other situations where I cannot be vulnerable. And I'm trying to figure it out. What are these situations? And um, I think that if you know these situations and you are aware that you are worthy, no matter what, like whatever is the feedback, it is the feedback and you can use it to grow because you're worthy without um, getting this confirmation from somebody else. And the picture that you think you need to provide is not necessarily the picture you really need to provide as you are worthy the way you are. And I was then thinking, what are the moments where we forget that we are worthy, where we forget that uh, the way we are is perfect, perfect 
is really perfect. And we can only improve then if we see, okay, there is maybe these bits and pieces which, which, would, which are not so perfect yet, these imperfections that we might see and that are not making us less worthy, but that uh, allow us to be even better in some situations and some activities. So what I would, the, the idea was that we have a breakout um, real quick. Um, now we are only a few people and we also have limited amount of time. Um, what I would like to do is maybe, if you can adapt it real quick, if we could have, if, if Serena, if you could make a breakout for us, um, of a breakout of two each, exactly. Okay. And if we take five minutes, maybe two minutes each, um, to, to tell a story when you felt like you cannot bring your full self to the situation, when you felt vulnerability is not the right um, the right answer to the situation, where you felt you, you needed to hold yourself back. And then to, to switch, maybe let's not to, to this extent, we have um, two minutes each and then we switch. And then um, the opposite, the listener, um, asks one reflective question of what they perceive um, could be a, a good reflection based on the situation. And then we get back together here in, in five minutes again. Okay. Do we, do we know what to do? I'm opening two rooms now. I've set you up with Mark and I'm going with Tozin. And if you prefer, okay. I can mix it as you wish. No, that's, that's all right. Okay. Thank you. So the others are also not yet back as it seems. Oh, you're on mute. You gave them a few seconds to come back. No. They're there. Oh, there they are, yeah. You're on mute, Serena. Uh, sorry, we took a bit longer, but um, we just had, we just finished and Tosin had to leave, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I think like I would like to finish the, the session with just uh, taking up the, the points that just discussed in the, um, in the breakout and see if there is anything you can reflect on. Maybe just take one minute now after the meeting to take two notes and say, okay, this was an interesting information. This was an interesting reaction. And this is something I, 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 I now realize that I do or don't. Um, and just to take it with you and to, to see if there is anything you want to do about it or with it, leverage it, um, try to mitigate it, whatever it might be. But if you can take one minute now before we leave the meeting, just to note two points um, that you will have a look maybe in a week again and see if there is anything um, that's developing out of it. I would like to thank you very much for your time and thank you very much for your input. Um, was a nice discussion. <laughs> <laughs>